The following is a very important message. You have one new message. Hi there. This is the CIA. We have pinpointed our location in Cleveland, Ohio. Please remain where you are. We are headed towards your location currently. We have a few questions for you and the robot. Thanks. Make it a great day. And we will CIA you later. Sunday, 9, 13 p.m. <laughs> well, if you haven't already figured by the intro, our dandy dildos are still being pursued by the CIA. <laughs> well, they crammed what they could into the crappy car and took off, pilfered some poor piss ants' passports, and hopped the next flight straight to Ireland. Guess that's where we'll pick up next. Oh, those kids are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> A stranger has come. Leave. Leave before it is too late. Now, say my name. Sausage Mahoney. Your shenanigans have taken us this time. Say shenanigans one more time, and I will pistol whip you. You don't have a pistol. Oh, at least we have this beautiful view. <laughs> oh, don't start with me. You're the reason we had to come out this way anyhow. You're dumb dabbling in nuclear physics. <laughs> Keeping the CIA on our asses. Yeah, they're always after my lucky charms. Iris, I don't think you could say that. I think that's copyrighted. Whatever. Here's our bus. Get away from the steering wheel! 
What sort of a get-up is that? I'm a cowboy. Are you stupid or something, lad? You're supposed to be a monster on Halloween. Something scary. Ooh. Come here and sit down. I'm gonna tell you a story about why you look ridiculous. Now, all this business of Halloween that she children get on about is a sanitized, Christianized version of the festival of Sauron. Celebrated by our heathen ancestors before St. Patrick taught us to fear the wrath of Jesus Christ. No, my mother gone these 30 years. God rest her soul. She was something of an expert on Sauron. And while she was a God-fearing woman, she knew rightly that it isn't wise to completely forget the old ways. You see, the druids knew on Sauron certain doors were opened temporarily. And the dead could come back for a night. To keep themselves safe, the druids appeased the dead with certain rituals, some of which have trickled down to us. They'd carve lanterns out of turnips to light the path of the way back to the underworld. They'd dig up the corpses of the newly dead and arrange them at a grotesque feast so that they won't be hungry on their way. They'd go around through the town and find a little child. Then in the fields that had been left fallow, that here, they would construct a gigantic wicker man. Baby! With the help of all the townspeople. When it was complete, the child would be shot up in the head and then the wicker man would be set alight while all the people joined hands round it and chanted to the gods and the dead. One living soul given as an offering to the dead to ensure their prosperity and leave him alone for one more year. No one went out on Sauron for fear that encountering the dead in their grim procession and being dragged into the netherworld, those travelers, they couldn't help but be on the road. They'd rub chalk on their faces and charcoal under their eyes. Or maybe wear some ugly mask, so that if they should be questioned by a dead man they met, they could say, No sir, I'm already dead. I'm already among the dead. Hey! <coughs> so, you want a beer? No, thank you. Alright then. Oi, where was I? Now, my mother, God rest her soul. She's always beating me senseless when I got to sneaking out at night. <laughs> but that only encouraged me to do it all a little more, because I felt kind of right. <laughs> oh, so one night, I was about your age. She says to me, Seamus, you have the devil in you, and you don't care one lick for your mother. But I'm telling you, don't be sneaking about tonight. Tonight is the Feast of Sauron, where the dead come up from their graves and follow Grim Morgan in procession in search of some living child to drag back to the underworld, for the dead despise the living. For the sake of your mother, stay in your bed tonight. So naturally, that night when she was asleep, I got my clothes on and prepared to sneak out and see what mischief I could get into. <laughs> no, my mother's stories were rattling around in my head, and I must have believed some of them because uh, before I went out, I whited my face and blackened my eyes. I snuck out a window and set up upon the road. Why does he keep looking around the room? As if he's checking the dark corners for some unseen stranger. He's breathing so deeply his mind seems to be in turmoil. But no, looks like he's about to vomit. Oh, so, when I, I, I went through the town looking for what mischief I could get into, but I found no one about and no shop open. I was about to start vandalizing houses when I looked into the distance beyond the town and saw a pale orange light flicker in the distance. I thought it must be some bonfire lit by like-minded children, so I resolved to make my way towards it. In no time at all I was in the woods outside the town in a narrow dark path, 
passed for a road in Ireland back in those days. <laughs> I looked down the road and saw a light moving toward me slightly. I realized what I thought was a bonfire in the extreme distance was actually just some old codger in a car. Determined as ever to make the best of a bad situation, I gathered up some good-sized stones to throw at the car as it passed, and I hid in a bush on the side of the road. He keeps pausing during his story. He doesn't say anything, he just looks off in the distance like he's looking for something. Uh, might be having a seizure. I've seen someone have one on TV once. Maybe I should just get up. I waited for that damn car to come. Five minutes became ten minutes, became twenty. It was moving so fucking slowly I should have known it was no car. I was just about to get up and leave when I, I saw this big bird fly over me. It looked like a raven or a crow, a but it was the size of a house cat. It perched on a tree just beyond me and let out a screeching cackle that chilled my bones. I saw the road light up and thought the car was coming at last. I crouched down and readied my stones, but instead of a car, I saw people. Lots of people? Yeah, it was some parade, I thought. But as my eyes adjusted, I'd realized that they were all dead. Deed. At the head of the procession was a gaunt man, naked and bone-white, carrying a scepter of polished bone. On his head he wore the skull of a horse, and he urged on the mass of corpses behind him with his hideous gesticulations. Behind him came in no particular order the mob of the dead. Old, young, women, men... It made no matter. Some looked nearly whole. Could pass for the living, if not for the unearthly paleness. Still others looked as rotted corpses. Blood and maggots dripping out of every orifice. Still others were still little more than skeletons who wore the flesh like a beggar, worse rags on a hot summer day. They shambled along, held together by an unseen force. All of them carried a small lantern. Some carved from pumpkins. Others from turnips. Still others some things I didn't even want to recognize. The parade lasted minutes, hours, years, millennia. Time stood still and yet jumped ahead of itself. It was over before it started and yet lasted forever. All the while presided over by that grim bird who watched it all with dead and lidless eyes. Like a doll's eye. Eventually the shambling corpses and their unearthly light moved past me. The bird took to the air once again and I was left alone in the bush. I gasped for breath as my heart threatened to beat its way out of the chest. I emerged from the bush and looked down the road. I saw the lights of the phantom parades safely in the distance and I tried to collect my thoughts. When I heard a twig break behind me, I turned slowly and acted unsurprised. Maybe that's the only reason I'm still here today. In front of me was a young boy, pale and tattered clothing. Pieces of his flesh and his face were missing and his throat was cut from ear to ear causing the blood to dribble down his shirt like a bib. In one hand he held a small pumpkin lantern, and in the other a knife. I took only small breaths less. He realized I was still breathing and looked deep into his cloudy eyes. He spoke to me in a gurgling voice that seemed more to escape from the bleeding slit in his throat than his mouth. Are you alive who walks among the dead? I'll carve you up and drag you piece by piece to my home beneath the earth, and you shall never see another sunrise. That is a promise I make to you, living boy. I stood glued to the spot. I thought this was the end of old Seamus. 
But then I remembered my mother's stories and I looked into the dead boy and said, No, sir. I'm already dead. I'm already among the dead. Liar. I can hear the bitter patter of your heart. It sings to me through the night. Again I replied in a steady voice, No, sir. I'm already dead. I'm already among the dead. I see your chest moving, living boy. Though you try to hide it, will you deny that? No, sir. I'm already dead. I'm already among the dead. It stared at me for a good long while. After that, toying with its knife. But I matched its gaze as best I could. After a while, the dead boy seemed to fade into the shadows around him. And then he was gone. No long after, the sun came up. Well, I think I'm gonna head out. I've got a busy day tomorrow. But you don't understand. <laughs> that wasn't the worst of it. You don't understand what I saw in the parade that night. You don't know who was there. Who, 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 who was there? Everyone. 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 Special memories that you are one to capture. Create a true relationship that's why I wrote this capture. Common ground and common goals allow us to create something unforgettable. We know that you won't hate. We know you love it because it's based upon your vision. You can go and find out more at twoplanetproductions.com. Diane, have I told you you're an excellent writer? Yes, but you can tell me again if you like. Can I ask you a question? Where do you get your inspiration for these stories? I get them from the stories my grandmother told me when I visited her when I was young. Oh, tell me more, please. When I was young, we would visit my grandmother every summer. She lived in a town called New Village. There weren't many people there. It was a beautiful town shadowed by snow-capped peaks. There was a great big pine forest that lay between the town and the closest mountain. It was probably a few hundred acres or so. At the base of the mountain was this crystal clear lake that was full of fish and that deed into a small river. All the kids in town would lay in the forest or the lake or the river but were strictly forbidden from staying out past sundown. This was enforced partially by the town's people including my grandmother. Go on. So my grandmother would tell me about the fairies in the forest and how they like to play tricks on people. If I disobeyed my elders, they would take me away forever. Those stories always freaked me out. My parents didn't like her telling me those stories, but they agreed that I should listen to my grandmother and be inside before dark. The stories didn't bother me too much until one of the young boys I played with each summer went missing in the woods. He ran away one night into the forest after a fight with his father. They never found him in the town's people didn't bother looking for him till after sunrise. I just can't believe that people wouldn't go looking for a boy in the forest until it was sun up, unless they all truly believed in the fairies. Oh, the fairies in my books are mischievous, but much nicer than the ones in my grandmother's stories. They never take people away. 
Kind of your thing now, isn't it? Uh, what do you mean? Yeah. Imaginary creatures that live in the woods. Well, I've heard and read up on fairy folklore, but it's not something that many cryptozoologists spend a vast amount of time on. However, I've never heard a town afraid of fairies, especially from a first-hand account. It would be interesting to investigate something like that. <laughs> Good. My parents want to meet you, and I want you to meet them. My grandmother passed away when I was young, and my parents inherited a house. They retired there a few years ago. You can come with me this summer. We'll solve this town's fairy problem. This place has become a ghost town since I was a girl. Diane! <laughs> My daughter. So good to see you, Anne. So good to meet you, John. I've heard all about you. Oh, let me tell you, the fair problem is under control. Come in, dinner is about ready. So, you teach cryptozoology at the university. No, I... I teach animal behavior and social interaction. I would like to teach cryptozoology at some point, but I need to have the class curriculum written and approved before I can. I suppose Diane has told you a bunch of crazy stories about fairies in our woods. <laughs> They're all true! <laughs> Sounds stupid crazy, but they're all true. My wife told me those stories, too, and I wouldn't have believed them if I hadn't seen some crazy shit or experienced our neighbors since niece disappeared one night two uh, summers ago in that pine forest. We've had a drought the last few years, and the pines are all dried up and getting brown. The forest used to be a dark green. Now it's just a sad brownish color. Hey! You want to see a magic trick? Uh, uh, sure. Watch the back gate. The sun sets about 9 p.m. today, and about that time the latch will pop up, and it'll swing open. No hands! Oh, Dad, this is so embarrassing. Oh, oh, oh. Watch. Just watch. Yes. Yes. Any second now? No way. Oi. I've got to check this out. Don't go over there! <laughs> Robert, let him go. John, stay here. Do not go anywhere near the woods or the wood line after the sun has set. Mom, Dad, stop it. You're embarrassing me. I'll take you into the woods tomorrow. It's fine, you'll see. Come inside. Uh, okay, okay. You can go into the woods all you want during the day, but as soon as the sun sets, you must be out. Diane really likes you, John. We'd prefer if you left with her when your visit is done. Explore how you want, but please listen to us about the woods. Yes, please, listen to Mary and me. I understand. I'll make sure to heed your warning. I brought some research equipment with me. Is, is it okay if I place a camera on the fence to capture this tomorrow? That'd be fine. <laughs> Just do it early when it's still light. Your family really believes in the fairies, don't they? It's embarrassing. Not the fact that they believe in that stuff, but they are so adamant that the woods are a bad place. If I had been a rebellious kid, I would have run off into the woods many times. They're beginning to act like my grandmother when I was a child. I don't know how my dad does that gate trick, but it's, it's getting old. He pulled it on me on two years ago and insists it's not him. I'll take you to the woods tomorrow. You'll see. I used to play there as a child. There's nothing wrong with it. 
Okay, we'll go have an adventure tomorrow. It's a shame that they died. I remember the lake being healthy when I was young. We used to fish here as kids. You should talk to Daniel Whitefeather. He's a detective with the county and lives a few houses down. He's also the last of a tribe that once lived here. He's sort of an amateur story for the area and has plenty of stories to tell about the fairies in the woods. I'll give him a call and tell him you're coming over. Are you Daniel? Hello, my name is John and... You want to know about the woods, correct? Robert Colton told me about you. Come in, please. I got a few hours before I need to head to work to cover a night shift. So, what can I tell you? Well, whatever you know about the forest, or the supposed creatures in the forest. I study unknown creatures, mythological creatures, or whatever you want to call them. I'm familiar with fairies and folklore, but I've, I've never encountered an entire town that seemed to fear these creatures. My tribe, or rather my ancestors, was the first to settle this area. As the oral tradition goes, we were once a large and proud tribe that numbered greatly, long before the white settlers came. But you bastards! You're white? A harsh run of winters and... Warring with other tribes cut our numbers down, and our enemies pushed us out of our original land. We wandered until we found this place. Cold, starved, and desperate for shelter, we felt blessed to have come across a place with good hunting and mountains to shelter us, and a river and a lake to supply us with fresh water. The story goes that when we found this land, we were forbidden to enter the forest by some strange creatures that lived there. My people would call them the Forest Walkers. They said they were guardians of the Pine Forest here. The chief, seeing those people starving without a place to live, struck a deal with the Forest Walkers. We could hunt and fish and live here, and they would protect us as long as ever once in the moon cycle we would agree to give them one of our own. Wait, so like a sacrifice? Yeah. Each full moon, we would send one of our chosen people by the lot into the forest. Their screams would fill the night sky. It was a horrible thing for us to survive with the chief and made a deal and we had to keep it. Many years would pass as we sacrificed one after another of our own. Our numbers would slowly decrease over time, but those who remained, they were always safe. They had food to hunt and fresh water to drink. Here, look at this book. But how does what appears to be a legend turn into a town of people fearing the woods? That book contains all the stories about the forest walkers that have been passed down from generation to generation in my tribe. I started writing them down when I was young. I got them from the elders, my relatives, and many others before they all passed. I'm the last one, and I... Figured someone should document this so others can know what we've witnessed. Everything changed when the white men came into our land. You keep saying that, but you're- First, it was one man. Baby! He was an explorer. We did not see him as a threat, so we let him pass. However, he found gold in the river and told the others. 
Soon many others showed up looking for gold in that river. They brought furs and meats and beads and guns. They were willing to trade for small pieces of land so that they could live here while they prospected. We agreed. The prospectors were supplying us with new things and we were trading them small parcels of land for them. The white bastards cut down trees to make the clearing in which our town sits now. They built houses, they hunted and fished. We no longer sent one of our own into the forest every full moon. So, the sacrifices stopped because you were getting what you needed from the settlers? What about your deal with the creatures? We lived peacefully alongside the white man. The forest walkers were angry that we had broken our deal. They'd watch us from the tree line in the shadows. Their anger could be felt. One night, several prospects were fishing, and a light came home through the forest late. The walkers took one of them, violently in front of the others. Their screams filled the night air. The survivors fled and never returned. They left their belongings and even their gold because they were so scared. Soon people who were in the woods past dark began to disappear. No trace could be found. <laughs> When people started to avoid the woods after dark, they started to trick people into coming into the woods. They would mimic the cries of children or loved ones during the night. Anyone who ran into the woods to save them would be taken! They took three mothers of our tribe once because the walkers cried like babies on the forest line. The women ran to save the babies, only to be taken away! They only took one person at a time, but they started taking more and more often as revenge. So they can mimic sounds or voices? Yes. So why are people still living here? Why not pack up and leave this place if it's cursed? My people made a pact with those who were left from the prospecting rush. We agreed to guard this place and keep people from the evil here. We would tell no one about this place. We had made a deal and broken it. We put others in danger. However, no matter what we did or said, the word always made it out about the fishing and hunting or the gold in the river. People would come and disappear. Together we would warn them, but they would disappear in the woods after dark. Here. What's this? What is? It's all the open missing persons cases that I'm in charge of. They're all from here. That's crazy. There must be hundreds of cases in here. Some people say I'm a shit detective. I know what happened to those people, but it's not something you can put on an official report and still keep your job. If you look at the reports, they all have the same pattern. These people were all last seen before dark in the forest. So? Did you get what you needed? Yeah, I think. I'm going to interview some people around the town tomorrow. And by the way, did you get anything on the video? Oh, let's watch it and find out. There's our window. Oi. Did you hear that? What? Let's go back a bit, turn the volume up. No, see yet. What was that? It sounded like a voice. John, it's creeping me out. Turn out the light, we're going to bed. Good morning. You feel okay going into the woods after the video feed from last night? <sighs> Nothing bad has ever happened during the day. My mother will be with me. I'm sure it's probably my dad playing a trick on us. Just come home safe. Oh, hey, Robert. I didn't even know you were gone. Yeah. <laughs> you were buried so deep in your reading that you didn't notice I left for town. Just went to get some gas for the mower. Yard is getting kind of long and needs to be trimmed. Keep an eye out for Diane and Mary. 
They went to pick blueberries in the woods and haven't returned yet. Okay, the girls still have time. Sun won't set for another three to three and a half hours. John, I see you've come to return my binder and book. Did you find what you needed? I found a lot of interesting stuff. I just don't understand why are people still living here. This will sound stupid. But it has been an oral tradition and agreement of all those raised here that we would stay and make sure nothing would be built on this land beyond what has already existed. We grew up here. We all know what it's like to hear the noises in the night. We are the last of the people who live here. Diane's parents weren't raised here, and she wasn't. When they're gone, the house will sit and abandon, just like the rest. What do they look like? Who? The forest walkers. Or the fairies. Tonight is a full moon, and they're angry. They're hard to see, they're tall and very skinny. But if you look, you can see the outline amongst the trees. John! It's Diane! John! Diane! <laughs> Diane, where are you? John? Oh, Robert! Where's Diane? She was looking for you. She swore she heard you screaming in the woods. What? Oh, no. I think the fairies might have gotten to her. No! No, they can't! They can't have her! We must go after her! Hold this propane lighter! What are you doing? You're just pouring gasoline carelessly on the trees and the brush. Give me the torch! If they want to take her, I'm taking the forest from them! <sighs> Good morning, sunshine. <laughs> Good morning? Why... Why am I in a jail cell? <laughs> Ah, it's nothing. You're free to go. <laughs> what? Come with me. They found Diane. Ah, is she okay? Is she hurt? Ah, she had some burns and some bruises, but she's alive. Get in the car. I'll take you to the hospital. I would have told you sooner, but I've been busy with everything that's been going on. Thank God. But wait, I'm, I'm confused. Why am I going free? Get in the car. I'll tell you about it on the right. When you lit the forest ablaze, it revealed the... Dozen skeletons have been stuffed in the trees. Some of them have been identified by dental records. On my missing person cases, you've solved it. You've solved the cases. And you rid the town of its very problem. <laughs> Go see her. Diane, they took me. They ripped my clothes and tried to put me in there. Where? In the trees. They feed the forest with us. The forest was dying and it, it hungered. The forest. It hungered. Oh, once again, it is time you Pasty party poopers! I, I poop at parties. I poop at parties, but people don't know because I close the door. For the creepy pasta crona! <laughs> Beans! The wailing Irish banshee. What is a banshee? <laughs> banshee means fairy woman. A banshee is known in Ireland as
eyes, a female spirit who wails outside our home to warn of the imminent death of a family member. Often heard before she is seen, her wailing is that high-pitched that nobody would dare to willingly attempt to witness this terrifying spirit. In Ireland, the Banshee does not bring or cause death, but warns loved ones that death is near, which gives the family a chance to prepare. Some believe that she acts as an escort to ensure that their loved one passes safely to the other side. Legends of the Irish Banshee. Stories of the Banshee have been passed on through generations for centuries. Some say that the Banshee is the ghost of a young woman who was brutally killed and died so horribly. How horrible was this? So horrible. <laughs> that she now watches families and loved ones warning them of impending death. Deed. According to legend, the Banshee can also take on many forms. However, in Ireland, she has been most commonly seen as either a beautiful young woman with long, flowing, silver, white, sometimes red, hair, <laughs> or as an old woman in rags with dirty gray hair, long fingernails, and sharp-pointed, rotten teeth. Both descriptions also give the Banshee eyes, which are noticeably red from crying so much. Here are some appearances that the Banshee is said to take. An old woman dressed in black with long gray hair and covering her face with a veil. An old woman with long white hair, red eyes, dressed in a green dress. A deadly pale woman with long red hair, dressed in a white dress, sometimes a shroud. A beautiful woman with silver white hair, wearing a long shimmering silver dress, carrying or using a silver coat. A headless woman, <laughs> naked from the waist up and carrying a bowl of blood. As you can see, there are a few variations on the description of how the Banshee actually looks. However, the fear she instills in people. People who have the bad luck of hearing her is always the shame. What all witnesses of the Banshee agree on is most terrifying wailing. The Banshee is famous for her long, melancholy keening, which is an Irish word which is used to describe the lament that women used to do over the body of a deceased person to ward off evil spirits. Originally, it was said that the Banshee only keened for the families O'Grady, O'Neill, O'Brien, O'Connor, and Carradagh. However, there are stories from various other families that she particularly favorites those with an O or Mick in the surname, such as O'Brien or McNeil, for example, a personal account of the Banshee stories have been passed down through generations of Irish families with their personal experiences and meetings with the Banshee, and this family were no different. A personal account of the Banshee. I remember being told as a young child of an uncle who was walking home on a cold and blustery night. He was probably three sheets to the wind after partaking of a snifter to keep out the cold. On arriving home, he told my grandmother that he had tried to comfort an old woman he had met along the way. Describing her, he said the old woman was dressed in black with a veil over her face. She was crying and wailing outside the house. Every time he went over to her, she moved 
got away, but all the while kept pointing at the house. My grandmother, with all her knowledge of the old Irish legends, knew straight away what this old lady represented, and hurried my uncle to bed, reassuring him that she herself would have a look for the old woman. Needless to say... Then why are you saying it? <clears throat> Needless to say, she didn't dare do such a thing. Then, sure enough, only three days after this strange encounter, my grandmother's brother died peacefully in his sleep. As children, we used to plague my uncle to recount the story of the night he tried to invite the banshee in for tea. <laughs> the end! Ladies and gentlemen, musical guest, Cherim.
ho, 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 and that is all for this exciting episode of Happy Horror Coffee Break Old Time Horror Radio Show. Soured by John Fitzgerald. The Fairies by Tom. The Wailing Banshee by Serena O'Longin. And Take It Back by our musical guests, Sharon. Oh, you can contact the show. Send a message to Happy Horror Coffee Break, Old Time Horror Radio Show at gmail.com or find us on Facebook or on Instagram or on Twitter. Just like you crap. Or you can call the show and leave a message. We'll play it on an episode. It is 918-928-5230. spells <laughs> out 918-what-lad-0. <laughs> hey, go buy a shirt. Go to teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash happy horror merch. There you will find t-shirts, socks, hoodies, and a onesie for your baby. And every dime you spend at teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash happy horror merch that doesn't pay Teespring will pay the Tuberous Sclerosis Alliance. Visit them at tsalliance.org. Aside from that, my peckish pickleballs, enjoy your magically delicious coffee break. To me, it looked like a leprechaun to me. Channel four and a half. <laughs>